This is a journey into sound. I know what you pinko, heavy metal weirdos do. You are locked into MSR Cast, brought to you by Mainstream Resistance. If you like corporate bullshit, listen to commercial radio. If not, stay tuned. Fuck the mainstream. Boy, this is James Avera. I'm going back to old school. MSR cast? Oh, come on. Yes, we've been around for a long time and we're not going away. This is James Avera from Hellstar. Support your local scene. Join you. 
to episode number 168 of the MSR Cast podcast. I am Carrie G. I am Carrie Gordon. I am one of your hosts, along with... Sean, also known as the Metal Pigeon. I guess I've been uh, recently known as Carrie Metal Geek, so I can I can go with that. Okay. Because I'm a Metal Geek. You used to be uh, Evil C. Yeah, I was never truly evil, yeah. so I had to <laughs> put down that moniker. Yeah. It's okay, though. So how you doing, man? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Actually feeling pretty good today. Um, back from the dead. We haven't been on in a long time. It's been a couple of weeks. I know we need to yeah. do a better job of, of handling this, but you know, sometimes why- the downtime is good for us though. I think like, I would like to put out more episodes cause there's a lot of yeah. great metal coming out right now. Yeah. We're going to play some of that tonight. I feel like we're behind big time right now, especially in the spring. I know I'm behind on my blog, but endeavoring to catch up on everything. So this is the first step in, in addressing that problem. Exactly. So let's talk about the first band we just played. We started everything off with a band called Grissom. Yes. G-R-U-E-S-O-M-E. I fucking love this band. Yeah. It's it's old school tribute to Death, Chuck Schuldiner, in the most amazing way, dude. I mean, look at the album cover right here. It's yep. it's Man. fucking done by Repka. It's <laughs> it's old school to the nth degree. What, is he eating someone's hand? He's or eating somebody's arm. Not even eating barbecue sauces. Just eating it raw. Yeah. Savage Land is the name of the album. Uh, of course, in the band you have ex malevolent creation drummer Gus Rios, possessed guitarist Daniel Gonzalez, a uh, guy from Durkita, bassist Robin Mason, and then a friend of the show, exhumed guitarist and vocalist Matt Harvey. So it's a like a newly assembled supergroup, death, death metal supergroup. Yeah, definitely. It sounded Paying great. tribute to Death. It sounded great. Well, with the production on already. Yes. And just the song was, I don't know, catchy. And I think right now I'm enjoying that style even more just because I haven't heard that in a while. In a while that 
that pure kind of death metal kick. You know, I, I kind of need that right now, actually. Apparently, um, Matt Harvey and drummer the drummer were uh, they had a mutual involvement with that DTA, the Death to All tours. Oh yeah, and you know they're all you know they had like nine different people on stage all jamming different Death songs and yeah. Hey, hey, let's basically do a tribute to Death and. Man, it's really fucking good. I cannot yeah. get enough of this album. It, the production's top notch. Everything about it is amazing. It's uh, out now, actually, April twenty first. It comes out next week for full for for reels. Cool. I'm gonna on, try to uh, relapse records. Try to catch up on it and write a review. Of course, about it's relapse, man. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's really, really good, and uh, we'll definitely get you the promo, and you will uh, you will thank me for it later. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's just as you guys are thanking me for what you just heard. Yeah. Just a little sample. You got to go out and listen to the full album. It's actually, uh, you can find a couple tracks on Spotify and things like that. But yeah, there's only two songs up on Spotify, right? Uh, yeah, That's just the demo track like, yeah. and then that song we played right now. It's just weird how that happens. Like I've noticed, uh, I can't remember what the album was I was listening to the other day, but there was like most of the songs there. But then for whatever reason, track number seven and track number whatever were like grayed out or deleted. Oh yeah, and I don't understand this. The there's some kind of copyright rules in America with some of this. I don't understand it either. But yeah, it's like I wonder if it's like with the publishing, like oh maybe someone else co-wrote this song. Maybe I know some albums aren't just available in America. They'll show up, but they won't. They'll all be grayed out. Yeah, is this is this not available in your country? I'm like, right. What? Yeah. What the fuck. Yeah. If that, it shows, I should be able to hear it. Right? That that I can understand. It's just more of the like half album, half not availability the spotify is uh has some kinks to work out it does but oh well so what have you been up to man you seen any shows recently no but i will be seeing the nightwish show i will um, go to nightwish too uh that i'm i'm i've been looking forward to that for we'll get into nightwish because i i do have some words yeah. about the new album we yeah we'll talk about that later the um i have been feeling like it's been so long since I've seen a show that I feel sort of bad about it, guilty about <laughs> Don't it. Don't feel guilty, man. Death Angel came through Houston a couple nights ago, and you and I both missed that I missed show. it. Oh, I have a good reason. I was working on my taxes. So, All right. That's a good reason. Am I, um, was that Sunday night? That and I was tired. It was like Monday night. And I had – dude, I had fucking free tickets. And I didn't uh, go. Ah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't have any, that's, I really don't have an excuse to miss it, but I, I really wanted to see Cavalier Conspiracy. Yeah. But – you know, like real life had to come first, right? Yeah. You know? Um. Then there's a there's a show happening tonight. I don't even want to say the name of the band because of what people will think of the fact that we're not there. We're not there. Yeah. Are, are, are you mean? Are you talking about artillery? Yes. <laughs> I didn't want to say the name of the. You're band. You're cringing when I said it. Yeah. I mean, I know, I, dude. I know. But I don't. I okay. We're moving on. <laughs> I feel bad about it, but I did go see a concert last week. I was at a show last week. Yeah, I posted on uh, some of our social media. I think I remember for Metal Geek. So like that. Um, I really wanted to go to the Testament and Exodus show. Right. Uh-huh. Couldn't afford tickets right now. I just wasn't in the budget. Yeah. I answered some Facebook random thing on the House of Blues thing on their Facebook page, and I won two tickets. Oh, nice. I was like. All right, fuck it. I'm going. Yeah. I asked you first, and you couldn't go. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, so I asked my co-host from um, the Metal Geeks podcast, Dave, who's yeah. a big metalhead, who's been on this show, and of course he jumped to the chance to go. Yeah, that's right. I saw his pictures. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I gotta tell you, man, that was a fucking phenomenal show. Yeah. Um, we got there right before uh, Exodus was gonna play, 
And when they came out, I've seen Exodus a few times with Rob Dukes, and you know, it was okay. The band still had it, but I was never. I wasn't really. I don't really. I know some of the new music is it's it's good, but but the first track that came out and fucking Steve Zetro Souza was just stormed on stage and when that first line of vocals came out of his mouth I was like (laughs) man I've missed this man I really did I was like all right cool they they put on a fucking phenomenal show yeah they they played a lot of newer stuff which you know like shovel-headed killing machine that kind of error but I love the new album I actually like that album too it's really good um you know the the Rob stuff was okay it just sometimes the songwriting was there wasn't it wasn't his fault yeah um they played Impact is Imminent. <clears throat> I like that. I like that song. I dude. don't like that album. Um, they did play. What's that one song that everybody seems to know uh, about about getting in a pit or something or? Uh, well, not everyone. Toxic something. Oh, oh toxic. Uh, toxic Waltz or toxic something Waltz, like that. That's right, yeah, that's they right. played that, of okay. course. Yeah. Because um, everybody was jumping up and down like a psycho circus clown, right? <laughs> We can just yeah. quote lyrics for the rest of the show if you want. No. <laughs> what? Uh, so, what was the uh, what was the overall like vibe of the show? Was it like good crowd or good fucking crowd? Yeah. Okay, I gotta tell you, dude. Not much of violent jerks. Testament had they had the perfect lineup right now. Yeah. Fucking Eric Peterson and the the dual guitar work of Eric Peterson and Alex Golnick still in the band. Yeah. Phenomenal. Then you add in. People like Steve DiGiorgio on that three-string fretless bass is kicking ass, yeah. man. And then you have, of course, Chuck Billy. You know, and he never puts on a bad performance. Yeah, Steve DiGiorgio is one of those guys where I would love to see him live. Um, and uh, like up close and personal, because I've seen I've seen him uh, from a distance. Yeah. But um, just watching him, dude. just to watch it's him, it's an amazing yeah. sight, man. Because I love the stuff that he would he would be on Venusaur's solo albums yeah. and stuff, and he would play stuff on and there. You, and, and you could hear him. They they had the bass really high up in the mix, but not yeah. overpowering. So when he was doing his like weird like fretless stuff, yeah, you could really hear it, even no, no matter where you are in the in the club or yeah. in, the, in the place. So drumming for Testament right now, I'm holding it up. Oh, Gene Hoagland. Nice. I bought an autographed Gene Hoagland uh, used drum head. They had another right. drum head, which was really cool. It was uh, looked like it was a snare, but uh, by the time I went to go back to get one, they were sold out. Right. It actually had the set list from one of the DTA shows, from huh. the Death to All shows. I was like, yeah. Had all the fucking Death songs on there. I'm like, ah, oh, man. But this is a, another prize possession in my autographed drum head collection. Uh, you can see all the marks on there. And oh, everything. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And he wrote Testament weirdly on it. You know, it's because like that seems like such a Bay Area thrash show, like it, yeah, like, like a concentrated amount of those bands, and then you know Death Angel comes through town recently. It's I like, know, I wish Death Angel was a lot on that of tour. Bay Area thrashy touring. You know, my only dis- my biggest disappointment of that show is Zetro never came out and did any Testament songs. He could have come out and yeah, they could what the, they could have done like a De- Dublin Death Patrol track at the end right. or something like something, but. No, nothing. I was like, oh, man. Could be something they're saving for, like, the tour finale or something. Maybe, yeah. yeah but, I mean, even during Toxic Waltz or something, you could have come out and just sing back up or something. I would have been fucking yeah. happy. Yeah. I was talking uh, to a friend of mine about, um, we were talking about Death Angel today, actually. And he was talking about how he loved the music, but when the vocals came in, it just it didn't seem to match the power of the music. Like, he's just, 
And like every Bay Area thrash band he's listened to, he just cannot get into them. Like it, he's just, he's totally all about like the German thrash model, you know. Where well, it's like, yeah, that's that's fine. Where like heavy vocals match now? John. Oh, okay. Yeah, and um, and he's just he's just like a he's a European thrash guy because he just feels like the Bay Area thrash guys the vocals never match up to the music. They're too punk influenced, you know. They're too well. They are sprawling definitely. all over the place. Not much like, and I understand where he's coming from because I do enjoy the German stuff too. But with the the Bay Area stuff, you know, whether whether it's Testament or or Death Angel or even like Megadeth or whatever, it's just one of those things where it was like you grew up with hearing that with you associate it with thrash. Yes, it's sort of yeah, it is sort of wild and loose and kind of spaghetti like you know with the, with the vocals and it's thrash is um it's just it's just an offshoot of I yeah I grew up on thrash man yeah. I grew up on. On Megadeth and Testament and Exodus and of course Anthrax and yeah. you know Overkill and all the bands the all the top twenty you know yeah. thrash bands and you know so European thrash I mean name a couple of bands that are well I mean like the first one that comes to my creator okay you know, and then like See, you have uh, um why am I blanking on all these German names right now like. Just like I mean, uh, any any band that saw them, you know, for example, where like, the vocals, the vocal intensity is just like it's it's up there, almost battling out with like the music. See, and here's where here's where I'm going to differ a little bit. I've never been a fan that I mean, I like him, but I've never been a huge fan of Creator or Sodom. Uh, I, I I mean, I, I do sort of feel like as I've grown up as a metal fan, I've leaned more towards German thrash, yeah. European thrash, as opposed to the, because I, I feel myself kind of like, maybe I've just heard it too much. What about Texas thrash? Texas thrash? You mean yeah. Pantera? Hellstar. Hellstar. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoy Hellstar, but um, like, when I think about American thrash metal, I think either, I think either East Coast or San Francisco, you know, like mm-hmm. in my mind, even though I know it's not true, there's like Flotsam and Jetsam from Arizona. Oh, love and, those guys. Uh, there's all sort of bands everywhere. I don't even know where Metal Church was from. Metal Church was from like, like New York or something. Maybe. Or, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of New York style thrash Second bands. Second wave like thrash is where it's sort of just nuclear assault, anthrax, yeah. you know, overkill all from yeah. the New York area. Nuclear yeah. assault actually putting a new album out in June and they're doing a small tour and they're actually playing. Dallas, I think, sometime in May. Hmm. Last is the final tour ever. Yeah, oh, they haven't wow. put they haven't put an album out since like what eighty eight or something. Yeah, the last album. It's crazy. I know Jag Panzer are coming back. Is that? Um, I know Conklin's been working on stuff. Apparently, like I was talking to a friend of mine who had been he had interviewed uh, or he had talked to one of those guys like through email recently. Yeah, it's like. And he just sort of casually lets drop the like, oh yeah, we're doing another album. It's like I thought you guys quit. <laughs> you know, I'm excited for that. I love fucking Jack Panzer. Yeah, they're Colorado, it'll right? Be cool. Yeah, yeah, like Boulder or something, some weird so, ass city. <laughs> maybe Pueblo, Colorado. I don't know. Yeah. Um, maybe I don't know. Broderick has some free time now. He's not in Megadeth. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, with the Megadeth thing. But who is in who is in Megadeth? Finally, though? we can stop talking about this stupid topic because I know that we've hit on it yeah. for the past three episodes, like ever since they've been dragging the story out. So, um, first of all, it's already become known that the lineup is not actually official because Chris Ador, Wham of God, is just going to play on the album. He's not going to do the tour. So you're basically just a studio musician for the album. Mm. So you're not a member of the band. So they haven't really fa- settled on a drummer yet, um, at least for the tour. Uh, but Kiko Loriero from Angra, that's a surprise. Yeah, it's official. He's the official, official. guitar player. Yeah. 
Um, which is interesting, but um, I mean, he like we said before, Mustaine did the same thing with like Roderick and sort of pulled him out of. He pulled him, you know, with a Nevermore at the time, but it was still sort of obscurity for main the mainstream metal. You know what's weird about it though is that like. You're basically taking, like, for example, when they got Friedman in the band, Friedman came from Cacophony with, like, speed metal. Yeah. And Megadeth had touches of speed metal in there. With Broderick, he comes from, th- like, a thrash background. And, of course, that matches Megadeth. Melodic thrash. More than Megadeth will ever be. Exactly. Yeah, well, definitely. But Kiko comes from power metal. Not just power metal. Extremely melodic power metal. Like, But Anger always had a little bit of thrash they, they, influence. Well, well they, had, sure. they had musicality to them. Yeah. I, I think more than like a thrash thing, which they, they do display touches of heaviness sometimes. But their Anger was always very like, um, like a like not not like a dream theater type. But they were always a very technical power metal right. band. Every note you had know? its place, and every uh, and the productions yeah. were always pristine. Yeah. Even even back to the Fireworks album, and so um, it's just a it's a strange choice for me, like. And and I feel like Anger just released such a great album. I'm sort of annoyed in a way that they're taking him away from that band. It's like, well, what's this going to do to Anger? Because he's not exactly leaving Anger, but they have to find someone to replace him for their tour. And well, you know, it could lead people to discover Anger that well, would have I mean, before. The, the reaction from Anger themselves was very positive. They're like, well, this is great. Yeah, go join Megadeth and like <laughs> talk about us a lot, you know? So, right, bring the money back. Yeah. Interviews. Well, remember to mention Anger, remember? Yeah. Remember Anger? Remember us? I mean, Remember? I don't. I don't know if it'll have the same effect as like Gus G joining Ozzy's band. You know, I was just thinking the same thing because yeah. that ultimately led to Firewind got noticed a lot. Yeah, and got some like you know they promoters started to notice and they got booked through tours in the United States. So maybe this will be like the the gateway for Anger to finally do a freaking U.S. Right? tour Anger's after from, all these uh, years. South America, right? Brazil, yeah, Brazil, yeah, yeah. And they've done the like, other Brazilian band. I think Anger's done like maybe like five shows in the United States. Like ever, like prog power one time, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. just like, yeah, it's overdue for an anger tour. I I definitely agree. Speaking of, you know, who else is on tour soon or the start of the tour? Nightwish, Nightwish. Yes, let's go ahead and uh, play a track from the new Nightwish album. Uh, and when we get back from this song, we're gonna play Weak Fantasy from the new album, Endless Forms, Most Beautiful, and we have a lot to talk about.
You're listening to you were listening to Weak Fantasy by Nightwish. Weak. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Okay, good. I, I mean, I, I know you like the album. I do. Okay, so I've never really been a big Nightwish fan. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's never really been the music. It's sort of been the vocals. Right. Um, I was not a fan of the first vocalist was okay, but that Annette Olsen or whatever. Uh-huh. The, I was not a fan. Um, okay. I am a fan of Floor though. Yeah. I I love Floor Jansen. I've loved every single project she's ever worked on. So it was with a lot of optimism that I went into this album. Right. Yeah. And it does live up. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I'm glad to hear that because the the funny thing is that there's a lot of blowback on this album right now. Why is that? From from the Nightwish fans themselves. I mean, there's always gonna be there, they always have their their diehard supporters who just kind of like and and I count myself among one of those. And I think those people are the kinds of fans who view Nightwish as a vehicle for Thomas Holopane in songwriting. And I wrote about this in my review today. If you, I, I, I talk about the album at length in the review. If you want to metalpigeon.com, if you want to read the entire thing, but basically, like there are still fans who just they're not going to get over the fact that Taria Turin and is not in the band anymore. But I always felt that when she was in the band, get they, over it. Well, they wrote, how long ago was that? They wrote great albums, right? And Tola Painting is a fantastic, masterful songwriter. But the thing is. The songs were always overpowered by her vocals, and they were always having to build around her vocals because she, she was such a big presence. Yeah. When Olson came in the band, they purposely went away from that sound, I think for two reasons. One, because they didn't want to compare the new singer with Taria. And then two, they wanted a pop I thought vocalist. it was Tarja. Taria. See, you said pop vocalist right away. Right. When The last time I saw Nightwish is when Paradise Lost opened up for him, right? Uh-huh, yeah, in 07, yeah. Was it that long ago? Yeah. yeah. Okay, and... We left about three songs into it, and my wife looked at me, and she said, you know who they are now? <laughs> They're the Hannah, Hannah Montana of metal. Right. And I, I totally agree. I'm like, well, oh, yeah. See, I, for me, my, I was always a fan of them with Taria, but when she left the band, I became a bigger fan of them, because when they brought in Annette Olzone, and she had that, they brought her in for her poppy voice, her kind of neutral, melodic voice, what they were able to do was increase the mul- like all the musical elements of the band tenfold in, in every direction like they expanded the role of orchestras they brought in a live orchestra for the first time they started using choirs they they had the, the guitarists do more stuff than just riff uh, the bassist became a prominent member musically of the group i mean everything musically just exploded the songwriting got better the, the music became more interesting and then when they released the next album with ozone imaginarium to me that's their un, that's just their masterpiece like it's their flawless album and a lot of people would disagree with me on that but i say that because like musically that era, that album's so varied and so like incredible but just are like they, just just music releasing a, a movie based on that they already did a couple of years ago but it's going to be released here in america soon i think so i i know that it's released in europe on blu-ray already so okay um anyway so this new album like post ozone like when she leaves they bring in flora jansen and, and she has the ability to do uh operatic vocals yeah. like soprano style vocals she does she does like she has that ability she hasn't used it that often but she she has been known it's to, definitely to do not it. utilized on this album that much um and that's where a lot of people are getting annoyed because no, they, they, I, because, I don't know. because the argument is from from hardcore nightwish fans and some of them have even posted on my article about, about why they feel this way they finally have a vocalist back in the band who can do operatic vocals why not write songs that use operatic vocals and okay. the thing is what they're missing and what I've tried to emphasize is that 
you're missing the point about Nightwish. It's never been about the vocalist. From day one, it was never about the vocalist. That's why Tari is not in the band anymore. So let me she, ask you this question. She felt it was quick. about the vocalist. Who was this album made for? Is it made for the Nightwish it's, fan it's or is it made for, for me? It's made who's for not, who's not really in the band that much. I'll, I'll tell you the honest truth. It's made for one guy. And I, and I say this knowing so it sounds it is for me. pompous, but it's made for Tuomas Hall of Yeah. He is. Didn't he just do a uh, uh, an album last year about Scrooge McDuck? Yes, <laughs> yeah, he did. So there and, you go. And, Take that as you will. And he didn't care what anyone thought about it. And it was that's, actually really good. It was great. And and the thing about Thomas Holopane is that he people say he's an egotist, and he, yeah, he is. He knows he's good, and he doesn't give a shit what anyone thinks. And so he a couple years ago started reading books by Richard Dawkins, Charles Darwin. Got really into the idea of. He used to wear a cross in interviews. I would see him in interviews wearing a like cross, you know. He doesn't wear that anymore. I think he went under underwent like a, you know, like people do personal changes in their belief system. And so this is what's been in his mind for the past couple of years. And so he was going to do an album based on this. And he wants the lyrics to be upfront and personal. Like he wants the lyrics to be discernible on this album. So he has Floor Jansen in the band, but you're going to sing in your rock voice, you're going to sing in your pop voice. I want the lyrics to be heard in this album. That's why I think he's thinking internally. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the, what was the question you asked? Because it was an interesting question. Like, well, is this album made for people that are Nightwish fans, or is it made for somebody who no, like I, me who's not? I don't think that, not he, that much of a fan. I think that after when, when the when the fans when they when they did the they were always sort of a private band in 2005 when they handed her the open letter after that Hartwall Arena show. And the fan blowback against that, like I don't think he saw that coming. And when he when he felt that, I think he took it personally. I think he still keep like harbors that in, internally. And the reaction for him is, I don't give a fuck about you guys anymore. Like, like I'll play shows and we'll we'll you know we'll do all that kind of stuff. We'll show you behind the scenes stuff. We're going to carefully control it, but I don't care what you think about my music. I'm going to do everything I want to do and. He's been justified because the Annette Olson era was just as successful as the Taria turn. In fact, more so in terms of record sales. So, how do you think this era is already doing? The the Floor Johnson uh, era? the chart positions for the album are outrageous. Like they're yeah. all up there. Tour is selling out already. And- the tour sold out. I mean, the thing about Holopin is he knows that he's good enough to 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 sell albums. And gosh darn it, people like. And him. he's know that he's good. He's good enough to sell tickets. And yeah. he so basically what he hears as critics of his band. When you hear, when you see what he says in interviews, it's nothing like offensive or outrageous. And he's a keyboard player too. Well, he is. He is the keyboard player. I know, but I mean, he's. It's weird because he's like the leader of the band, but he's not like up and front and center like most. Yeah, but when you are. see them live, he is right up. It's it's him and then the vocalist and everyone else sort of is there. Yeah, but he. You can you will notice him live. He puts himself right up there. Keyboards keyboardists are normally in the back, right? Right. His keyboards are right up front. And Our they, keyboardists and are sort of like in hey, a I hear keyboards. Setup. Where is he? Yeah. <laughs> like you kind of like people who go to night with shows, they know that he's a big deal. Like Enslaved, their their keyboardist does all the clean vocals. Well, Nightwish is one of the the strangest bands in rock and metal because it's one of those bands where um, kind of like ELO, where like the keyboardist was like the main, mm-hmm. like one of the main got, draws. People go to Nightwish shows. I think, yeah, they, they're you know interested in seeing the vocalist, but uh, more, I think, equally in number, they're interested in him. He is kind of the focal point of the band, um, and he definitely made himself so during the Ozone era. So basically, like wrapping this all up, 
he he wants i mean he whatever happened don't be surprised if the next nightwish album comes out with thor jansen and it is in like a symphonic tone and she is doing i really was expecting more of an epica feel to the album and it's not no because for him his concept comes first his songwriting ideas come first and everything else has to work around that. Right. So like I was watching an interview with him yesterday where he was saying like that where the, the person asked um, Flora Jansen, who was sitting right there, she, he was saying, uh, why, why the lack of, of symphonic vocals or operatic vocals, you know, and Holopane and basically said like, Oh, we didn't need them. You know, that's it. Mm. And that's how he is in interviews. He's just like, if you ask about like, why is the why is the band popier? He's just like, well, you gotta. Well, that's a pop song. And then this you gotta look at a, a couple song. of her last bands too, because like Revamp didn't really have any of that kind no, of. No, they're in they're it. kind of a rock. After She's, Forever had a little bit of it. Yeah, but like you she know, can do it. it. Like when she sings old songs live, she'll she'll bring it out and yeah, like, I would imagine know, fits. So, yeah. yeah, like we're gonna see her live in a couple of weeks, and I I know you'll hear some of it because they're touring with uh, who Delane and Sabaton. Yeah, I hope Sabaton brings the. The big uh, tank drum set? Oh, I don't think they will. Ah. <laughs> no. Oh, I hope so. I mean, they're playing a, not that big a stage. Big sure. enough, but yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that fans who are upset about the new album, like you're missing the point of the band. And I think maybe you're, you, it's time to realize that maybe the band's not for you. If what you're interested in is the vocalist, you're entirely missing the point of Nightwish. What you should be interested in is the songwriting and... That stems from one guy. The I will tell you, doesn't matter. I will tell you, this is the first Nightwish album that I've listened to more than once. Oh, wow. This is the first Nightwish album I've listened to probably about eight times already. You know, what's interesting is that um, it's also the most old school sounding Nightwish album in like a decade. Really? Because it reminds me of 2005 or 2004's Once album and sort of like touches of like Oceanborn. Like the first song uh, has like a keyboard a guitar duel like where they go back and forth they haven't done that in like a decade or well over a decade that's like such a Finnish power metal thing to do like yeah. it started with Stradivarius right keep Jens Johansson battling Timo uh, Tolki you know in, in these duels and like so like when they busted that out I was just like wow that's a surprise that's this sound, kind of sounds like Oceanborn you know so um, it's it's more band unity feeling than the last album but you know, I'll end it with saying, "Give me another Arion album with Flora Jansen singing on it." I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. She's, I mean, she's good. She does a great job on the album. I don't think that the last song works though. The um, the, the 24 the minute 20, song, yeah. it doesn't work. It, no. He's he's really great at epics, but in this one, he tried to do too much. He tried to segment it in like five different segments with like Richard Dawkins weaving throughout and sound effects and stuff, and it's just like. To to make a cohesive epic, it just became my wife's favorite song. Really? I don't know. She's never. I don't uh, think she's heard it. Okay. Well, but like his past epics are great. But the reason why they're great is because he keeps a motif throughout. Yeah. Like, and he keeps like melodies and micro hooks throughout. Um. So the the last song doesn't work, and as a result, like that's like his. What he has said, that's like the the main like centerpiece of the album, even though it's the last song. But as a result of it being the, the main centerpiece of the album, in my eyes, it doesn't work. Or to my ears, it doesn't work. I think the album doesn't work as a result. Like, it's a good album up until that song. So let's let's talk about the next uh, the next band. Yeah. This was a big surprise for me. I had never heard about this band. I knew that Van Williams from Nevermore was working on something new, but I had no idea. 
Maurice Eggenschleier, Eggenschleier, exactly. <laughs> our our friend who was on a couple of a couple of episodes ago, yeah, uh, sort of turned me on to these guys. They're like, hey, have you heard of these guys yet? And I was like, no, I haven't. I fucking love Ghost Ship Octavia. So it, sounding great. It for those not in the know, it's Van Williams from Nevermore. Um, uh. Eklund, Heckland uh, used to be in God Forbid as a guitar player mm-hmm. and a vocalist I've never heard of before. But once that first line came out of that dude's mouth, and I'm like, it sounds like fucking Apollo from Firewind. I was hooked. Yeah. Um, so how would you describe this band? It's a it's a more proggier, progressive, nevermore. Yeah, I think that was the best description you could have come up with. And it's really cool. The album has a lot of different guest guitar players on it. Like you can listen to it and you go, I can hear that guy. I can hear Jeff Loomis playing on that track. Right. Yeah. Um, so Jeff Loomis is on here. Per Nelson from uh, scar symmetry, uh, rusty Cooley from outworld. Who's actually a Houstonian, huh. uh, Chris Caffrey from sabotage and Matthias Eklund from uh, freak kitchen. Yeah. Who, you know, I adore, right. Yeah. You, you not so much, but <laughs> yeah. you can definitely hear his guitar his guitar style on these songs yeah. and man, I really really dig this album it's, it's progressive it's it's thrashy it's it's a little creepy at times yeah it, the production of it, it it's production was Neil Kernan man yeah it, it's oh, phenomenal really? yeah oh okay wow yeah I sort of forgot what um, I'll be honest with you I sort of forgot that uh, um, what was his name Van Van Stevens Van Williams. Van Williams. Just think of, I kind uh, of forgot he existed. Just think of the uh, the what, what was the uh, the movie Van Wilder. Yeah, and Van Wilder. I always yeah. think about him. Yeah, I kind of forgot he existed. Yeah. Like, and I don't mean that as like a negative way. I just can't, yeah, I haven't heard from him in a long time. It's like ah, and they, this whole album was crowdfunded too. Apparently, huh? They put a thing out there, and you know they they produce something that people wanted to hear they're going to start touring soon yeah i'm looking forward to these these guys I think they're going to get pretty big did you hear that did you hear that the new megadeth album is being crowd they're asking for a crowdfund on it which one the new megadeth the upcoming megadeth really? album like and i looked into it it's not really a crowdfund it's more just like a pre-order thing like here just pre-order this and we'll use the money to finish up some stuff and but it's sort of like really you guys don't have access to a label first of all and then second of all like I thought we were done with Megadeth. Well, it, well yeah. it just it just brought <laughs> it, it up to mind. It always comes back to Megadeth. Just like the crowdfunding thing is kind of getting out of hand when Megadeth starts asking for a crowdfund. Good God. <laughs> Who's going to be next? Us? Metallica, ah. you know. Yeah, right. So uh, let's get into the track that we picked out from uh, Ghost Ship Octavia. Joke, ghost ship Octavius to that five times say fast. ghost joke Octavius. No, I wasn't going to say joke. I don't know what I was going to say. Maybe not shit, but uh, the track is called Mills of the Gods, and it's it's catchy and creepy, and I love this band, man. Yeah. Let's get into it. We'll be right back.
And there you go. That was Ghost Ship Octavius. The track was Mills of the Gods from a self-titled album. I need to uh, get a hold of this album also. Yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> hold it close to your heart, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you're really going to dig the whole thing, man. It's it's really, really good. Yeah. So, uh, hopefully they tour. I mean, that'd be cool. So, I mean, are, like, have they... Wait, when did this happen? Wait, did it just, just come out? Like- it just came out. Okay. It's actually available on Spotify. We are not sponsored again by Spotify, but yeah. it's it's an easy way to listen to stuff. It's if a very you helpful it tool. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Instead of having to search for your CDs or your collection of MP3s or whatever you, yeah. whatever you have. Um, let's talk about some topics before we move on to the next track. Okay, well... Um- so you heard about the Guar thing, right? The, yes. This thing is going on. I, I was when I read a, my my first. You thought might was, know a little bit more about it than me now, but well, my first thought was like, what are you thinking about this? Because the it, the story seems bizarre. Because it seems like so Dave Brocky. I don't know if it was officially in his will or not, but he he did, he wanted his ashes to remain at the band headquarters, right? Right. Slave Pit Inc. Yeah, Slave Pit Inc. But um, and it, and it seems here's what seems weird to me is that. Um, when you read both sides of the story, his dad is the executor of his estate. Sure, he has a, he has the power to do whatever he wants. In. And I guess that mean, is that I don't know if that's just like a legal thing where it passes to next of kin that kind of thing, or if it's just like yeah, a probably like I don't know if he could decree that in his will. Anyway, so either, either or you can. Yeah, so his dad has the is the executor of his estate now. Um, and he's suing the band for a million dollars. But who has power of attorney in this whole situation? That I don't know. I mean, I, it's this it's is not kinda, turning into a legal podcast either. But yeah, I mean, um, the thing that surprised me was that his dad didn't attend either of the memorial services. So that kind of indicates there's you know not the best of relationships there. Probably yeah, so, probably a strain. Now he's just coming out when there's money involved. Yeah, it just makes me feel like I don't I don't know the guy right. I- anything. I'm not affiliated anyway with any the person. Way, so. The way it plays out, it makes me feel like it's some like a money thing because the band seems utterly shocked by it. They're like, no, we want to keep the ashes here. Like he came, he apparently went to the headquarters, the dad, yeah. and demanded the ashes, and they gave him a portion of the ashes. Now I'm not sure what the who's right and who's wrong in this, but. Um, cause he wanted to like spread them somewhere and, uh, but they're just like, no, we're, we're adhering to his wishes, to his express, like written wishes, yeah. that, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, they said that all the royalties had already been paid. Like everyone got paid like upfront for the last tour and like for the album and whatever. And so, um, that there's no money owed, that kind of thing. He's claiming there's like 1 million in damages and stuff like that. So I don't know. It just seems like a unfortunate story to pop up around Gore. ever since like you know the funeral they've been having like a kind of positive momentum with the tour and with new vocalists and everyone seems to be embracing it and they're getting some attention from like mainstream media as a result and you know it's kind of a weird way of them getting attention yeah, but the first the first mention i heard about this whole situation was on a mainstream like nbc news website i'm it like was what on the, the fuck? Yeah, it was on nbc news yeah and like nerdist was talking about it and stuff like that it's just like these are non-metal places talking about guar it's yeah. weird you know so I, it's just like it, this is the wrong type of attention, though. I'm a I'm a huge Guar fan, so yeah. And I went to the tour last year, the the tribute shows I did for for Brocky right. for Odorous. They they were surprisingly really emotional. Yeah, no, it was really good. Yeah, I mean, I seems... cried like a little slave baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the reason that that Brocky had stated for wanting his ashes to be there so he could keep an eye on the organization. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. 
Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of uh, legal shit going on there. Somebody's trying to get some money, and some people don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm like, what? Yeah. I don't know. But uh, you have this open question that you pulled up. Oh, yeah. Well, I it's um, it came to mind because we have not... Because I was getting kind of antsy about not going to see shows and everything. Yeah. The irony of recording this on a night when there is a show in town. That's <laughs> true. But, like, um, I started thinking about, like, like the upcoming night was showing me going to, and it's like, ah, I'm going to have the day off for that show. I actually took off, I took off work and everything. And um, I started thinking about, like, what is my ideal show going, like, show, show day experience of, like, going to a show? Like, what is the way I would ideally want things to happen? Like... What venue do I want to go to? Or like, you know, in a perfect world, you can you can sculpt anything you want to. Like, yeah, I would see like, you know, Iron Maiden and Blind Guardian, this small club, and it would only be just for me. But those are unrealistic fantasies. But like, ideally, with, within the bounds of realism, I can make that happen for you, right? <laughs> within the bounds of realism, like, what is my perfect show going experience from like, like, what what when would I want the bands to start? Like, as far as time, when would I want them to finish? How many support bands do I want? And like, when should the show end? And like, where is the venue in relation to things like, like taco trucks, like po- taco trucks and <laughs> post show food, that kind of thing. Um, I go see shows a lot, and you, and you do too, at this place called the Scout Bar. Yep. And what's great about the Scout Bar now, and it wasn't before, is that like now they start having like food trucks around the venue, like after shows, like the food trucks just kind of know to go there now, which is great because like you get out of the show and you've had like beers or whatever you've. You're kind of tired and whatever, and you, you see like this food truck there. It's kind of like a great way to cap off the night. And I started thinking about like how great it is to go to shows at this club in Houston called Fitzgerald's because like even though I'm not a fan of the club that much because yeah. the parking situation sucks. Um, There's a great taco place about two blocks away. Yeah, you just walk distance. down there and taco like, is a go go. Yeah, you just like, see when uh, when we went to go see Oceans of Slumber a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what we did. We went oh, went yeah. to the show. Went and got some tacos beforehand. Right. Perfect night. Went to the metal show. Yeah. Even though I'm not a fan of Fitz. I mean, for me, it's like the the perfect Fitzgerald's experience is you get there early enough to get that good parking spot, you know, in the freaking part, the small, dirty parking lot they have. But you have enough time, like, to go get some beers at the bar across the street beforehand or whatever, or down the road. And, See, like, I want, like, like what my ideal show going experience is, is like, a, there's a place where I can, like, like quote unquote pregame before like you know have some bar like you know beers and stuff like that not in the venue because they don't let you in the venue at until a certain time um and i'm talking about like a major national band you know it's like when we went to go see shows at this club called the meridian yeah it was in the middle of a kind of warehouse area in houston in like the the crummy part of downtown houston where there was nothing around there it was just like like uh you know shady modeling studios and like nothing, just abandoned warehouses and stuff. And so you would go there, you would wait outside the venue, you're like cold or hot or hungry or tired or whatever. You just want to get in there so you can go and pay for some beer or something. But in ideal situation, there would be a place where you can like chill out before you went to the venue, like a bar, like right there. And then like a restaurant you can go to afterwards, you know, like the ideal show going. So what, what's yours? So, you know, Warehouse Live, right um, right here, not far from where you're talking about, uh-huh. there's a bar 
across the street. There's a bar next door. Right. So yeah. is that ideal for you? It is. I mean, I actually, went, the last time I went to a concert there, I did go to the bar beforehand. It was unbelievably packed. Yeah. See, that's kind of the problem sometimes. It's like, it would be great to go see a but show. But Neil's Bar is, if, you never, if you're from Houston, you've never been to Neil's Bar. Right. Neil's Bar is the coolest fucking bar around. It's a, it's a geek place. It's, it's a geek grotto, basically. It's yeah. A, it's, a, it's a full service bar. But they have, you know, uh, a oh, couch. Wait, is that over there now? Yeah, it's walking distance from Warehouse Live, dude. So when did this happen? Uh, opened sometime in the last two years. Huh. You never been there? I guess I just noticed the bar that's like right next to the place. No, no, no. So, okay, so here's here's the main street. And, right. and this is perfect for a podcast. We're using our hands. <laughs> this is only of interest to Houston listeners, yeah. too. If you're not from Houston, you might want to tune out for a second. Yeah. But it's um, so you have the bar, you have the club over here in the street that comes right across next to where that Pizza Hut is. Yeah, well, yeah. It's at the end of the street, right where the the freeway meets. Okay, well that might be a perfect situation and for the Nightwish show. And yes, I, I would agree. So um, don't we have a show coming up there? Yeah. So in a couple of weeks, it, so we get there like relatively early, park, go to the bar. Have and some drinks. Have some drinks. Chill out. Kind of mellow and out. It's cool on the on the patio, of the bar in the front. They usually have this guy that that cooks up fucking phenomenal like tacos and stuff. Oh, nice. But you know, Neil's Bar is a geek place. There's a there's a whole wall of comic books in there. Right. They have an like an NES with it was like Super Smash Brothers or Super Nintendo with Smash Brothers on there. Nice. They have. Uh, a main arcade game. Huh. They don't show sports. They show like Star Wars and Star Trek and right. The Hobbit and stuff on the screens. It's a really cool place, man. Huh? It's a geek. It's a geek bar. Wow. Because geek is chic. Okay. Right? So you can be metalhead and be geeky too. You know, the ideal thing is that when you get out of a show in Houston, the joke was there was this one guy who would show up all the time. He worked at a pizza place, and after the pizza place would close and they made too many pizzas or something, he would make them. Well, that guy's still around. I see him in the House of Blues all the time. Right. He's the, the, that guy with the pizzas, the $5 pizzas that after you get out of a show, if you're drunk enough and sweaty enough and tired enough, you'll be like, yeah, pizza. And, and you get this crappy pizza. It's already kind of cold. It's only five bucks, though. But it's five bucks, and your friends just kind of sit around like hunched over like barbarians on the, <laughs> on the sidewalk eating through this box of pizza. And that was like the only like if you're, you're lucky if that guy showed up. Um, it's gotten better though. Like and now that I'm knowing about this, like, well, you know, it, food trucks and all, all that kind of stuff. And I don't know if food trucks are as big in Houston as they probably are in some other cities, but it's getting big in Houston. It, it's you know they're showing up everywhere. So right. before you used to be like, oh, what do I go to after a show? Want to go to Denny's? Yeah, you, know, you want to go to like House of Pies or something? That's yeah. all you could really do. Yeah, but you know, here's the thing. Like, think about the ideal experience. The ideal experience is that wow, I've, I've I get there, I park. And um, it's in the afternoon, like the lines kind of form in there. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm going to go to a bar and get some drinks. And by the time the show hits and you're inside the venue, you're already drinking a lot. So you have alcohol swimming around your system. So you don't want to get like out of the show and have to get into your car and, and do that stupid thing. So the ideal situation is that you can hang out somewhere after the show that's not a bar, like someplace where you can get some food in I got your a, system. I got a quick story Water down, yeah. So one of the one of the Milwaukee Metal Fest that I was at, my wife was actually with me at this one. I had a friend who was in a band called Blood Throne, mm-hmm. um, and they played full fucking like black metal makeup, full the full thing, right? Spikes everywhere, right? Everything was black. 
So like after the show, we're like, you know, this is, you know, during the Metal Fest, like, where, where do we go? It's in the middle of downtown Milwaukee. Yeah. There's nothing really to go to. So we're like, let's go find a fucking Denny's. This is like probably like one in the morning already. You yeah. Know? So we get lost in Milwaukee. We wound up at this Denny's in like some podunk area of the town. They would not fucking service at first. It was the most awkward situation. They were freaking out. It was like, oh my God, what are these people doing here? Right, yeah. And me and my wife are like normal, you know, and, but we had these three guys in the band. They're right. all fucking in, in full regalia makeup, you know? Yeah. It's a funny situation. So and then they had you, to be nice. They were like, oh, no, we're nice. Guys, we're, you know, we're just, we just wear this. Just artists. Just artists. We just, we just went over to some food and it was, right. it was a, the most awkward situation. So, so you eventually got to sit there we, and eat. We eventually got to eat. Okay. Like, yeah, like an hour later. Wow. Is that so just because they just make you wait or was that just like the wait time? I don't know. Uh, I have no idea. Okay. That's weird. I guess we found the one waitress that wasn't that wasn't afraid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait till Marlene's on duty, then you'll get your table. <laughs> How'd you know her name? <laughs> How do you know Marlene? Yeah. Well, she, had, I mean, she had to come back from her cigarette breaks. See, that's the thing. Is like, yeah, you don't want to drive anywhere after you've been like, it, you you want to go here. You know, I think the ideal thing in my mind is that you want to go to a show, and if you want to have some alcohol. Because it's a metal show, and you kind of feel like, yeah, the two and two things, these go hand in hand. Uh, so you can drink, and then not fear having to just get into your car. Like, oh, we want to get some food after the show. Well, we have to get into my car and drive somewhere. You know the cool, the the best thing after a long show, you're hot, you're sweaty, all that kind of shit. Yeah. Always put some extra bottles of water in your car. That is a good idea, and I rarely ever have I, the foresight to do. I that. know. Because the the best thing after a show like that is just downing a whole bottle of yeah. water real quick. I think you know that would have made. I mean, now I, I honestly I go to shows these days and I kind of just stand there and watch and listen. Yeah, me too. Back then, that like you know, earlier in the younger days, I would go and headbang and get in the pit and all that and all that kind of stuff. And that was like when you would get in your car and all gross and sweaty and go to an IHOP the, all gross at, and sweaty. At the Exodus show, man, I, during during Exodus first part of the show, I was standing sort of close to the front. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, it's fucking hot in here. But it was just all the sweaty bodies around me. Right, I'm yeah. like, when I moved back later on, I was like, oh, it's, it's oh, yeah, actually there a little is air conditioning, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was actually a lot better. I think that uh, taco trucks or just food trucks in general Remember that Easter show uh, last year? Yeah. We walked out and we with turned revamp. around. And like, yeah, exactly. With revamp. And we <laughs> went Did around you the floor corner. at that time, didn't you? I stood next to her. She, she was like standing there like waiting for fans to talk to her. And I just sort of turned around and there she was. And she looked at me and I kind of just was like, meh. <laughs> and that was, I didn't want to bother her. So, um, but uh, we turned around. She's like, I'm not good enough to talk to. There's a food truck right in the back of the venue. Kind of a weird place for them to put a food truck. A grilled cheese truck, and it was kind of like we all just sort of looked at each other. And we're like, I didn't know I wanted a grilled cheese right now, but yes, I do. <laughs> and we got like these bacon grilled cheeses, and then Stu Block saw it, and he's like, "Whoa, a, a food truck!" And we we talked to Stu Block of Ice Earth, and it was just like one of those great, like, yeah, this is how the night should end. You we bonded over a nice grilled cheese. Sandwich we were drinking. We were doing like I don't know why we listened to some idiot to like drink whiskey that night. We were drinking whiskey or something, or you no, know, I was doing rum. And beers were consumed anyway, so we needed that. We needed that decompression. I think it's actually like they should do this as like a public service. Like, okay, around music venues, like places where you know people have been drinking, 
urge food trucks just to get stationed over there. Like the city should like provide them incentives to do this because it provides guys an excuse to sit there and not drink alcohol, just drink like a Coke and have like a, you know, some food truck item and like get the, uh, the drunkenness yeah, for lack of a better term out of their system. This is a good social idea. Like, why aren't people doing this more? So, uh, <laughs> let's get on to the next band. Okay. Um, this is something you picked out, but I like, I really do like this album. Um, so this is the new Kisuke Somerville. Yeah. Totally um, different than anything we played. Yeah. <laughs> right? it's, it's, if we, if we mentioned pop metal before, this is definitely poppy. Well, but this is even more like along the lines of just like kind of hard rock. Well, yeah, it's definitely AOR. Definitely AOR. I mean, you know, it's a bad thing. I, I interviewed Kisuke last year when the new, uh, place Van Damme album yeah. came out. Uh-huh. And my device on my computer that I recorded all my Skype conversations with did not work. Uh, so I lost that whole interview, which I was really mad about. No. But that's either here or there. These that's why there's there, that's why there's never been a Kisuke interview on this on the show. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to rectify that soon. This uh so this this project he does with Amanda Somerville. Amanda Somerville is basically if you don't know who she is, she is a um She's a voice coach for a lot of these people. She yeah, she's a voice coach for a lot of people. She's um she's just mainly just like a very uh well-known and respected session vocalist yeah. in the European power metal scene. She does backing vocals for Avantasia, Ed Guy, um uh, I know she's done some from for Camelot. She's even toured with Camelot. She's toured with Avantasia. Um, more bands than I, she, I wasn't she in Epica for a little bit. She when uh, did Simone the tour Simon's with Epica. Yeah, was exactly. uh, pregnant, right? Yeah. Um, that was just a couple years ago. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So um, she's just kind of all over the place. She bounces all over the place. And but, she was with Camelot the last time they came with Fabio. Was yes, she? Yes. She was. Um, so she is kind of just all over the place. But this is like she does solo stuff. But this is like another project she does with. AFM Records, who she's kind of heavily affiliated with. In fact, yeah. she does a lot of stuff for AFM Records. AFM Records um, is oh, wait, this is I don't know if this is AFM or Frontiers. This might be Frontiers. It would make sense if it was Frontiers. I'm not sure. We'll get back on that. But um, the thing about Frontiers, and I know the thing about this actual project, is that they just hire a songwriter to do it, a metal songwriter. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's. Uh, um, it could be any number of guys, just European power metal guitarists. Do you know their names? Who just kind of circle around? Some of them are drafted by or Frontiers Records to write songs for an album. This album was mostly written by ah, uh, the names leaving me right now. I wanted to say Stradivarius guy. He used to be Stradivarius. Timo Tolki. Yeah, Timo. Okay, well, the uh, what was the what was the dang project with uh, Yorn? Like Yorn and um, Russell and Russell Allen, yeah. Like they don't write those songs in those albums. No. Those are on Frontiers Records. They just have another guy come in and write them. They just come in and sing the tracks, right? Exactly. And in fact, the last uh, Yorn and Allen album was written by Timo Tolki. Yeah. So um, yeah, these are weird albums. I mean, you're, you're sort of like just hearing two good, really good vocalists duet on these songs written by someone else. So there's not really like a personal connection to these songs. Um. And you think like, well, Michael Kiske is such a a renowned, uh, like picky, like artistic guy. You think it would be like a weird fit for him, but somehow he just seems to like doing stuff like this, and it actually ends up working really well. Like the album is is um, it's very poppy, 
but it's poppy and sort of that throwback like way of the of, you're reminding you of like music that you just like don't get enough of these days you know so it's this not made enough on this album we have magnus carlson in matt center so it's basically primal magnus fear carlson yes yeah. thank you it, you basically have primal fear playing the the album who, who did the songwriting on this was it magnus carlson uh, all songs written and composed by Matt Sinner and Magnus Carlson, except where noted. Uh, one song was written by Somerville and Sander Gomans. That's her husband, I think. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so I mean, you know, it's just it's like Primal Fear with Michael Kiske and Amanda Somerville. <laughs> yeah, it but it's not Primal Fear. Part, it's parts, just a part of Primal Fear. Yeah, it's just a. Take the the poppiest primal fear song yeah. that you can think of, and that's what like, you got. Like, okay, so Kiske Somerville is not a band; it's just a project. It's right. just like they just they don't go on tour; they just release an album. They do a, like maybe a music video, and that's it. And why should you listen to this album? Well, it's actually just a really fun album to listen to. You know what my problem about the song is? What's that? Um, when they start doing the vocals together during the chorus, yeah, Kiske is really low in the mix. Oh yeah, I'll agree with you there. Yeah, I'm yeah. like when the first time I heard, it, I'm like. Okay, the not turn him up a little bit, guys. Yeah, she's more. I mean, I, I guess the formula tends to be he's more of a verse guy, she's more of a chorus. Person, yeah, but you know, they have them singing the chorus together on they, this track. Yeah, they do. And he's really low there. You're just like, mm, yeah. Right. I wonder if that's on purpose. I don't know to make to emphasize the kind of pop. You know, she does have a good voice for pop. Yeah, hers is. She's not a middle of the road singer, but she's she's got a huge, a powerful voice, but it's not like distinctive in any way. She's just she's just a really good singer, I guess, is the best way to put it, you know? So let's get into the track. It's called Walk on Water. It's from the 2015 version of City of Heroes, which is their second project together. Yeah. yeah the first, this is better than the first one. This is just, I think so, too. It's just, it's just a fun album. Uh, brace yourself. It is extremely poppy. You might get mad. Sander Gallman's uh, was from uh, After Forever, X After Forever. Yeah. Well, I guess everybody Sander, yeah. from that band is X now. Yeah. <laughs> they're not around anymore but here you go here is a track from Kisuke Somerville
Just listening to Kisuke Somerville, a song called Walk on Water from the album City of Heroes. Indeed we were. So what do you think? Poppy as hell, yeah. but catchy. I like it. It's, it's, just, it's just catchy. It's catchy A&R hard rock stuff. And yeah. it's and one of those things where it's like, um, if you're a Michael Kisuke fan, any project with Michael Kisuke, you're going to always listen to it once just because it's Kisuke's voice. And it's During the break, we actually watched the video. Yeah, and for the, that song, yeah. The video was sort of, um, it, well, it, it can be could be a lot better. You know, the thing about metal videos is that the budget's not there. So you do the best you can of what you have. Right. And most of that time, that means just one location. One location, yeah. And you just try to make it look like it's professionally filmed, which it, it did. It looked nice. They used a lot of um, really shallow lens depth. So you right. can see like the it's, it's it's out of focus here, but they like go into a rack focus a lot yeah. on, this, on yeah. this video. So. Yeah, I mean, all that those those little things like I notice in a lot of videos yeah. like these days. And the thing they, is, they, um, and people think it looks really expensive and fancy, but it's not. No, it's just it's just cheap. It's cheap effects to make it look expensive, basically. Sure. Uh, and they have a female drummer. Her name is Veronica Luth Lukasova. Yeah, that was a surprise. Um, what we were talking about when we were watching the video was that, like, why are Kisuke and Somerville just facing each other in the like um, the band's playing? But why are they just facing each other singing a song? That's all they do the entire the entire video. I sort of like, had it sort of had like this Beauty and the Beast vibe to it. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe it was like the they were like in this nice big room they were filming in. Yeah, it's like they're filming in some sort of grand ballroom or yeah. something. But what I understand is like, um, yeah, have the band there, have maybe Kisuke playing with the band, 
But then have like Amanda Somerville like walking through some woods or walking through a field of like flowers or yeah. something. Like something just to juxtapose the two images instead of just the camera kind of circling around these two looking at each other kind of awkwardly the entire time. Yep. Not the best video I've ever seen. So It's okay. Yeah. It is what it is. It is what it is for, I don't know, a meager budget. So uh, what else do you want to talk about? Um, well, we, we need to, one well, of the things I wanted to address, I mean, I, I think you, everyone's probably heard the story about the worm, was it the, um, Chaotica and, uh, Wormreich, the auto accident? Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about that. I mean, that's just, it just sucks. It's just one of those things where it's like, I feel bad for the guy who was driving, who was, uh, I guess it was the, um, he was one of the guys in Chaotica. Was it? Um, he was the song, the multi-instrumentalist and chaotic and uh, songwriter of Chaotica, Sergio Quesada. He was the guy driving who fell asleep and the, um, you know, it was a 15 passenger van with a trailer went off the road and the three people died. Three band members died. Yeah. Um, it's just a tragedy. It's just one of those things where it's like, uh, it could have been avoided if, you know, um, if they had stopped. It, but guys, it, it, be careful out there. If you're in a band and you're you know you're tired, you know you've been driving for thousands and thousands of miles on this tour. You're ready to get home. Be careful because what happened? I think he did fall asleep at the wheel, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and one of the things that like the tragedy is it's already been talked about and it's it's it just sucks. But like one of the things I saw that was interesting was this um, Kevin Stewart Panko on Metal Injection wrote a thing called the do's and don'ts of overnight van drives. And it was this list of tips. He used to write for uh, Metal, Metal Maniacs. Yeah, and he's just kind of this guy who's been around. He's done, like, you know, road manager stuff for bands. Yeah. He's he's driven himself and stuff. And so he was, like, posting up some tips. And there was stuff I never thought about, like like keeping yourself awake by, like, spritzing water on your wrist and, and oh, on really? your face. Like, just, like, yeah, it seems like it could work. Like, I could see how that would annoy I've been that. on long car trips, and you do, you do get tired. Well, my personal experience is that just... Driving on Interstate 10 in Texas from yeah. Houston to San Antonio at night, like like I, I, the road hypnotizes you. Try doing uh, I-10 from Houston to L.A. Oh, when I was a kid, we used to make that trip all the time. And my dad would stop quite frequently like on the side of the road. He would get out of the – we'd be in a, a Ford Aerostar. It'd be like um, we would try to make the trip in two days. We would have to sleep in hotels one night or a hotel one night like in Arizona. But anyway, we would drive through the evening and everything. And every time he'd get tired or he'd feel himself like going into that highway yeah. hypnosis mode, he would stop. He would get out of the van. He'd be like, hey, come on and walk around or whatever. So he'd walk around the desert, literally the desert. There's like a cactus right over there. And um, just kind of like he would just like kind of do some stuff like some exercises, stretch out a little bit, just like – Whatever it was, and then he would like sit there, go back in the van, sit there, and like, like kind of fall asleep for a couple minutes. And we would just sit there, you know, reading our magazines or whatever. And then he, when he woke up, he would feel good enough to go on for like a couple more hours. And one of the things that he writes, um, Kevin writes in this article, he's like writing these tips, like the do's and don'ts of driving on the road is that take micro naps, like one of those things where it's like, yeah, if you feel like you're, if you feel yourself nodding off at the wheel. 
pull over the best place you can, you know, preferably at a rest stop or at a gas station yeah. or something, and just kind of go to sleep for like 30 minutes. It's just yeah. 30 minutes, you know, and you wake up, you have it, it, it actually kind of works like your brain over in the sense that, like, oh, yeah, I was asleep. It's like a recharge. It's like a, re- it's like a micro recharge. Yeah. yeah. And it can get you down to like the next three hours, you know, or however long your drive is or whatever. So it's a good article. It, just check it out. I mean, I know a lot of us sometimes go across states for shows. And you have to get back for work the next morning or day or whatever. And so you're driving back after the show. You're already tired. The caffeine doesn't really help. In fact, one of the things he talks about not doing is ingesting caffeine. He's like, no. Caffeine can shut your body down after a while. Yeah, try to stay away from caffeine. Try to stay away from, like, you know, food that will eat that you know will slow you down and make you fall asleep, you know? Um, So instead of drinking caffeine, like, take, like, water with, like, lemon or something or – or do something like that, like something more kind of healthful and beneficial to you instead of just like guzzling caffeine and stuff where it's like, yeah, a temporary quick fix of maybe like the better part of an hour and then that's it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Good article. Good, good. good check stuff. it out on Metal Injection. And while you're also on Metal Injection, check out the middle, the MSR cast podcast because that's our home. Yes. So yeah, good on them, man. Um, yeah, and it's a tragedy to, you know, it are definitely our condolences to anybody affected by the bands that lost members that day, man. Yeah, yeah I, I just I hated hearing about it. And it hit home for me because I, I have been in those positions where I've been an idiot and I've been driving back from San Antonio after seeing like Sabaton or whatever. And I have a passenger in the car, I have a guy in the back seat, and I can feel myself like nodding off and stuff. And like, you know, you try to do things like like play music really well, but sometimes just none of that stuff works. You just have to stop. Just pull off the road and stop or or switch drivers or whatever whatever you gotta do, you know. So So uh I gotta ask you about this, man. Did you hear about the Rockstar Energy um fest for this year? They announced the lineup? No. Okay. So headliners, you have good old Slayer. He's played this many, many times. Yeah, in King Diamond. Hmm. If those tour, if those two guys would just tour together, that would be a great lineup. Yeah. But here's where it falls to shit. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Just hell no. Yeah. The Devil Wears Prada. Come on. Whitechapel. Come on. Right. Thy art is murder. Jungle Rod. Jungle Rod's the only old school death metal band on here, hmm. which is interesting. And then you have bands I've never heard of, like Feed Her to the Sharks. Really? Come on. That's an interesting name. Mall Metal Band. Come on. Right. You know who, uh, do you have any interest in seeing this? Um, eh, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I saw King Diamond last year, right? Right, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> you know who announced the tour today as well? Danzig is touring with Pennywise. Now, that would be an interesting show. That's two bands I never saw would tour together. Yeah, but you know, Pennywise is pretty good for what they do. Yeah, I never really heard them. They're just sort of like pop punk, but more yeah. bratty than Green Day, basically. Well, infinitely more bratty than Green Day. I I, I wonder about um, the likability of Slayer these days, though. You know, I mean, not even just like people are going to go just because it's Slayer, but like, yeah, they are. And I heard that they're almost finished with the new album, and there actually is some Jeff Henneman stuff on this album. See, I heard Kerry King say there wasn't. I heard there was. I'm pretty sure something came out this this week oh, where yeah? he was saying like, "Yeah, no, no, there wasn't. It's all me." 
Like, I fucking hate Kerry King. I'm sorry. I just, I hate him, and he's the reason why I can't get into Slayer. Like, they have one good album. I, I think Tom Aria is a, a, like a great, I think he's a good singer, uh, not, not the best. Tom Araya? Yeah, Tom Araya. I think he's a great guy. Uh, Kerry King is my stumbling block with that band. I don't like him. I don't think I'm ever going to like him. Every time that guy opens his mouth, he bothers me. Uh, I'm not going to write about him. I'm 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 just kind of over Sawyer. I don't care about Sawyer. His face is really turning red now. Too. No, no, I'm just you know just I peep. I don't know. Just Sawyer. That's theme actually coming out of your ears. There's so many better bands out there, guys. Just don't get hung up on Sawyer. Slayer! Yeah, just it's so stupid. But speaking of Slayer, um, on MetalSucks.net today, I was I was on there, and there's like this electronic version, like electro versions of like heavy metal songs, huh. and they have Carcass on there and All Slayer right. and like Gore Guts. Yeah, it's very fucking interesting. I'm gonna have to play you some of that. If you go go to the Metal Sucks website and look for it, yeah, it's really quite interesting. <laughs> Um, let's go ahead and get to the next track. Like electro dance, you mean? Yeah, it, oh. it's like, you know, it's yeah. Electro. Did you hear that uh, Lady Gaga Judas Priest mashup? No, that that was cool. I have to say that was. It had, but you already liked the Gaga. I do. Oh, I do like Lady Gaga. But I was I mean, just joking. But okay. it was. <laughs> it was. Uh, I can't remember the name of the, the damn track. Anyway, wait, just go listen to it. It's, it's, it actually works better than you think it would. So let's get into the next band. This is something that was brought to my attention by the PR company, actually. Um, a guy named Brian Rocha. Uh, oh, yeah. Brian, so, yeah. Yeah. So he's like, oh, check out this band. Um, and he said, it's very Hammerfall style. I'm like, oh, you got me there. Hmm. So it's a band called Lancer. And I've never heard him before, but they... I really, really dig this these, this band, man. It's it's really poppy, happy power metal, right? But there's parts of the song where it just breaks into old school Iron Maiden riffs and like yeah, that's the vibe I got too. And it's really, really cool. It's like new wave of British heavy metal meets like really poppy power metal. Yeah, and I really dig the style. Yeah, and this track that I picked is probably not the best track on here, but it's very catchy. Right. It's called Iwo Jima. Yeah. <laughs> and towards the end of the song, it, it goes into the like this minute long, you know, like total Iron Maiden like this send up. And it's All really, right. really cool. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. So let's get into this track and we'll be, we'll be right back. Travel lonely souls on the way to hell.
And we are back to episode number 168 of MSR Cast. We just heard something from Power Metal Band Lancer. Uh, what'd you sing, man? Um, very Iron Maiden-ish. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, these guys definitely wear their influences on their sleeve. There's no bones about it. Well, there's that little part in that song that reminded me of like the tail end of Fear of the Dark. Yeah. Like the kind of uh, solo section of Fear of the Dark. There's a bass solo on that song. Come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's good. It's good stuff. It's it's one of those things, um, like that sound that this band has is one of those weird kind of relationships. That, okay, they can't have this the sound without the benefit of hindsight, without the benefit of of the history of metal they have access to. Well, sure. I mean, these you guys know. don't do anything different or some anything new. They do right. it really well. Well, the irony is that if they were around, like say, opening up for Maiden on the Peace of Mind tour. Yeah. They would have been huge in the eighties. Yes. Like, like in retrospect, like or, they would have been Halloween huge. Yeah, they would have been like, like yeah, that's the kind of stuff they would have. You know, you'd have fans like legions of fans, but you can only achieve that sound knowing, you know, like with the benefit of hindsight. And we listened to another track, and you made a good point. It, it definitely has like some German Ed guy power well, metal. Well, it was <laughs> the melody of that song that yes. we listened. The other song we listened to was totally aping the Piper Never Dies from uh, the Hellfire Club of Ed. Guy. It's okay though. Yeah, it's fine. It, it was a great song. To, you might as well ape the good stuff, you know. So. <laughs> you don't want to ape the bad shit. Yeah. yeah. Remember that song that really sucked? Let, let's copy that one. Yeah. No, it doesn't work that way. But yeah, I mean. Like I said, they don't do anything really different, but I really, I really enjoy this album. I think if you sit down with it and really yeah. digest it, I think you will enjoy it too. There was a band uh, called Striker that released an album a couple, like two years ago, that I was really into. It was just throwback metal like that. They kind of reminded me of sort of like a like touches of Maiden with sort of uh, Scorpions and stuff, and just oh, yeah. like you know, like yeah, this is. Nothing really revolutionary, but it just sounded good at the time, you know. And if you uh, want to hear what these guys sound like for real, go to Spotify. Yeah. Again, not sponsored by Spotify. Yes. <laughs> but we need to be. We should. <laughs> so do you have any other uh, topics you wanted to discuss on this on this um, lovely episode? I see you have something written on there about uh, Marilyn Manson being... I, I haven't heard about this story, so this is news to me, so... Manson gets beaten up at a Canadian Canadian Denny's. That's as much as I know. Um, now, what's the point of hitting Marilyn Manson? He's just gonna. He's just sue trying to you. eat some food in Denny's because he's yeah. sort of, you know, bloated up a little yeah. bit. <laughs> so yeah, um, Marilyn Manson beaten senseless after insulting some guy's girlfriend at Denny's is what the the article says. Beaten senseless? Are you serious? Yeah, apparently his visit wasn't all pancakes and syrup. So. Okay. <laughs> um, he got into a violent fist fight outside the diner in Alberta, Canada. And it's funny they call Denny the diner, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, according to this article, the details are a little unclear, but Marilyn Manson got into a fight with another group at another table and apparently called some guy's girlfriend a bitch. Obviously, that guy got mad and then proceeded to punch Marilyn Manson in the face. Which is not that usual when, I guess, your girlfriend's insulted. Right, yeah. But they went outside, and no charges were filed, and cases closed right away. Just huh. some bruised egos, I guess. Well, so he's not in the hospital or anything. No. They say beaten senseless. It means, like, oh, he's in the hospital in, like, critical condition or something. I mean, he chose to do this, uh, insult someone in Canada, where, you know, the whole thing about, like, people being polite in Canada... That's true to a certain extent. The other side of the coin is that they're maniacs up there. You don't make fun of somebody's girlfriend. You well, saw you saw Tusk, right? 
Yeah. There's some maniacs up in Canada, apparently. Can't we, can't these idiots are up there like, shooting each other with hockey pucks and stuff. Don't go up there and start a fight with one of them. So we were talking about before the break, we were talking about um, the, I guess what I called it, sort of techno covers of Metal Band. Yeah. But if you go to MetalSucks.net um, from today, actually, from article today, it since covers of metal classics sound like the score for the best horror movie John Carpenter never made. I don't know about that. But there's some interesting uh, versions of songs on here. Yeah. We should pro- I'll probably end the, end the show with like a little bit of outro or something. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you got everything. You can actually download it for free. The whole album is available for free. Um, so what do you got on here? You got like, it's starting to play automatically. I don't want that. <laughs> and it won't stop playing. It's that evil. I think that, um, you know, it would have been more successful if they had tried to go make it into like an electro pop type, like a dance type thing, because the synth stuff just sounds sort of dark wavy and like. Yeah, but some of the, sometimes the, I don't really like original, but stuff like this, which is cool. Yeah. I mean, you got stuff on here like, you know, Slayer and they do a death cover. They do Crystal Mountain. Yeah, and the, the Slayer one was the worst one, by yeah, the way. Yeah, Carcass, Genital Grinder, Says the guy who was just really angry ranting about Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> what about, um, there's a band on here. They did um, a cover of You Suffer from Napalm Death. Yeah. They're called Hydraulic Anus. <laughs> Make sure those guys get that credit. That's right. They need to become fucking huge. Stupid name. (laughs) I'm hoping it's just one guy, and they needed like, and he just submitted his work to the project, and they're like, "Well, what's your band name?" He's like, "Oh no, just just write my name." They're like, "No, we need a band name, Hydraulic Anus. How about that?" Yep. So I mean, you got on here like uh, My Dying Bride, and you know, Dark Throne, and the Dark Throne one actually sounded the best. There's a couple of them here that sound very you know eight bit wave stuff, you know, but I don't know, it's cool. Download it for free. Get out of it what you will. Yep. So uh, I think that about rounds up this episode. We have one more track to play before we go. Yes. Um, so let's let everybody know where they can find us. First of all, you can go to uh, metalinjection.net, search for MSRcast. We're under the podcast section. We've been there for over 10 years now, man. 10 years. 10 years I've been doing this shit. Yeah. I felt like a uh, Murtog from... <laughs> when, when will be the official anniversary um i'd have to double check the i think it was around now it was around the beginning oh, of summer really? oh so yeah we, okay we should do something <laughs> we should probably do we should yeah. probably get my you know it'd be cool we should probably figure out when the anniversary is first i'm gonna find out the anniversary date and yeah. we should try to get the original co-host back on for an episode yeah yeah he would have stuff to say yeah <laughs> he always has stuff to we're say. coming to get to cryptos <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah, metalinjection.net. You can find us at metalgeeks.net yeah. where we release all our brand new episodes as, as well there. You can find us on iTunes. Uh, you can find us three ways on iTunes. You can find us under Metal Injection. You can find us under MSRCast. And you can find us on the Metal Geeks RSS feed. Right. Um, you can find us on the Twitter and the Facebook and the Instagrams all at MSRCast. And you can find me at the Metal Pigeon on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. There's probably people listening to this who like listen to the podcast all the time, who hear us do this all the time. Yeah. They're like, Yeah, I know where you I know where we you know where the are. fuck you are. But like uh you know, throw us a message or two, like every now and then, you know? Our email, MSRcast yeah. at gmail dot com. It doesn't really get easier than that. Yeah. It's, so send it's us a right message there. like exactly what you said. If you have any feedback, if you want to have a request, if you want Anything to interact with us, 
we we would like that very yeah. very much. Yes, we actually still have something to give away that nobody has claimed yet. We have an autographed Black Crown Initiate album and poster to give away. Oh, okay. So, like we said last time, tweet us on on the Twitter. Yes, uh, tell us. You know, just tell us that you want to win it yeah. at this point. <laughs> Say, hey, I want that free CD, yeah. and we will send it to you. Yeah. We're Can that we get cool. get that free CD? Yeah, man. I want that free shit. And we'll send it to you, the first person. Yeah. In Miss on the Twitter. Yeah, you'll be your reward for listening to the episode early. That's right. First come, first serve, basically. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the last band. Okay. I fucking love this album. Yes, yeah. Barren, oh. Barren Earth is the band. I've been I'm, listening to this a lot this past week. I'm a huge fan of the band too. Yeah, well, the last album was really good. They changed uh, vocalists since then. Yes, they have. And I kind of was uh, weary about that coming into this uh, because uh, the last guy was so good. And you, you know what that last Barren Earth album was? That was the sound of what I kind of wanted Opeth to be doing with their mm-hmm. more clean vocal approach. I loved the the first album or the main the first main album not right. the EP yeah. but our with our Curse of the Red River yeah, yeah. love that album yeah good but good stuff on that album on Lonely Tower it's yeah like you said it's the first album with a new vocalist um, John Aldera and I believe he is from the Faroe Islands just like Tear I read that somewhere oh really yeah. I didn't know that yeah well, that's cool good, good combination of of you know clean Heavy, brutal vocals, but yeah. clean. Like the, you've heard me say on the show, I love people that can do articulate, brutal vocals. Yeah, and they have this in spades on this album. Uh, the, the thing that separates Barren Earth from, well, just ban- other bands in general yeah. is just like uh, they're writing melodic death metal, but the songwriter, whoever is the main songwriter in the band, is just really skilled at at knowing when to amp up the brutalness and when to make it melodic. And it's not any, and they do it in a way where it's not like at all. Um, when people hear stuff like that, they think, Oh, metalcore, you're talking about metalcore. No, it's just really good melodic death metal with clean vocal elements, but it's not just saved for the chorus. Like sometimes right. it'll just, what well, kind of like ghost brigades last album, really yes. fantastic ghost brigade album last year. It just kind of like pops out of nowhere like clean vocal parts and they're not really meant to be like hooks or choruses they're just kind of there and they're just meant to be different accents to a song and it's intelligent songwriting is what i'm trying to say you know i i I totally agree with that um yeah this so the album is called on lonely towers this is not the first track that i picked out i picked out a a different track okay yeah um, we were talking about frozen processions right which really catchy this that's the thing about this band no matter how it's like amorphous in bands like that that ilk. little little folksy a little progressive death yeah. metal my favorite song of the album is the longest track it's like 11 minutes long it's like track number five. Oh yeah and i yeah we can't play that it's too long but um <laughs> but this is a the song we're gonna play is just as good i mean you know there's not a bad song of the album honestly in fact i was actually listening to it driving up here so what uh what is the makeup of this band who is in this band anyone we know um not really it's a finished band so but uh, the Finns are doing everything right right now with melodic death metal they own that genre right now sweden sweden had it in the 90s they sort of forged it but finland really took over melodic death metal uh, omnium gatherum insomnium uh, ghost brigade those bands are just like crushing it and making that that style like relevant again you know for like the past and they've been doing it for the past like seven years and it's just sort of like 
you know, no one's really, I mean, people have picked up on it, but no one's really decided to pick up on it as a, as like a thing. Like, wow, Finland kind of owns this genre, you know, and Finland, uh, those guys being who they are, they're not going to go and boast about it. You know, it's just, they're just doing their thing. So, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the, the band lineup. It's, um, you know, a couple of the guys, you, you probably recognize a couple of bands like Moon Sorrow, October Falls, Thy Serpent. Um, October Falls is really good. Yes, they are. Uh, who, one of the who guys. Is, who is in October Falls? Marco Tarvon, Tarvonen, the drummer. Oh, okay. So, huh. uh, the, the the vocalist, his name is John Adara. He's in a band called Clouds as well as Hanford, who are a Pharaoh's metal yeah. band, which I've never heard yet. I have yeah. to check them out now, though. Yeah, apart from Tear, that's the only thing I know about the Faroe Islands. Yeah, pretty much. That and apparently, too. there's like a really big jazz scene out there or something. But. You know what the you know the main thing about some of these bands? What, what I've sort of come to realize it's like okay, these progressive death metal bands from f- Finnish, like mm-hmm. Swallow the Sun, and then like yeah, Aaron Earth, things like sun, that. Yeah. They definitely have a '70s prog rock influence to them. That's yeah. where I think a lot of this a lot of different do. style comes from. Not all of them, though, because like, no. I, I would say like Insomnium, their sound is almost exactly what you could describe as modern. You know, same yeah. thing with like, in fact, Omnium Gatherum to me is always sort of sounds semi-futuristic in their way. But well, it's, it's Insomnium still, and Omnium Gatherum share the same guitar player now. Yeah, so. yeah, but it's like they're they're all those bands are doing melodic death metal but they find different flavors of each of, of that particular style like no, none of those bands sound alike and that's what's remarkable about the the bands coming out of Finland right now it's this quiet renaissance of this genre that people associated with Gothenburg it's like yeah that style is sort of not done anymore and not done well anymore basically it's just yeah. kind of devolved into metalcore and if you hate metalcore you need to look at these bands coming out of Finland that's like it's, I don't consider metalcore at all no no it's the furthest thing from metalcore it's it's actually just like spiritually metal but it's it's melodic death metal just it just sounds freaking different from the Gothenburg stuff you know? yes it does it's, yeah entirely different in fact Bellacore different guitar tones uh, and Bellacore yeah it's another yeah, Bellacore is from um, New Zealand I think but or Australia one of the two, they're probably going to get mad if they heard this, but um, they also have a different, unique style of melodic death metal. And there's stuff like, you know, Sui Dakra in Germany that. Yep. So, yeah, there's all We could do a whole episode stuff. on this. We probably should be doing an, I think uh, like we an should. episode on Mellow Death, yeah. I, yeah. I was thinking we should just do a, an episode on, my, on our favorite Finnish death metal bands. Yeah, well, yeah. We could do that. <laughs> yeah, but let's start that. off with one of them right now. Right. Let's start off with Baron Earth. Yes. Uh, to to finish this episode, we have the track is called Howl. It's from the album On Lonely Towers, available now through Century Media Records. Super catchy song. Super good. Um, you're welcome for turning you on to this. That's all we can say. <laughs> yeah. But uh, thanks for tuning in. And uh, as always, we have to say one thing at the very end of the show. Keep it metal. I was going to say that.
podcast brought to you by msr productions all rights reserved blah 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 for reviews archives of our podcasts and all your other metal geekery needs please visit msrcast.com keep it geeky keep it metal